0: Ephesians 6, 1-3, which is on page 829, if you're using the Black Pew Bible in front of you. Kids, normally, I'm speaking specifically of the kids who normally go to children's church, you'll be dismissed there in a few minutes, but normally, after you're dismissed, we all stand and read the Bible together, because we believe when we read the Bible, we're hearing what God has said. So that's why we're all standing to hear what God has said. All right, Ephesians 6, 1-3. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right on your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I'm going to pray and then after I, everyone can sit down and after I pray, I'm going to invite the kids up. So let's pray together. You guys can sit down and then I'll pray. Stay right with me. God, thank you so much for your word, which speaks to all of us, and we pray that we would all hear it as it should be uh, heard this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I would like anybody who normally goes to Children's Church, all right, the big kids aren't allowed to come up here, but the, the big kids who come to Children's Church, come sit right up here on these stairs, right here, so you can see me. I have a special word just for you, okay? So come sit down right up here. Yeah, come on up. All right, come on up, good job, come on up, yep, parents are welcome to come up if they need to, all right, I have a question for everybody, I just read a verse that said that children are supposed to obey their parents, does anybody here know what it means to obey, what does it mean to obey? What does it mean to obey? Um, to, to listen and do what your parents tell you. To listen and do what your parents tell you. That's right. Do you have an answer? What does it mean to obey? To listen and do what your parents ask you to do. To listen and do what your parents ask you to do. Those are great. Those are great ones. You have just a second. I have another question. Why is it good to obey? Why should we obey? Yes, Charlie. Why should we obey? Oh. It helps our parents, and it's very kind to them. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Why should we obey? God likes when we do it. That's right, because God likes when we do that. That honors God. That's a very good answer. Now, I have a question. Are parents always right? Do parents always have the right ideas and do all the right things? Are parents perfect? Everyone can answer that one. No. No, nope, but we... <laughs> The Baharas are. Good, I'll take some tips. My kids were quick to say no. Well, it's true. Even though we're not always perfect, we, we still, it's important to obey parents. I want to tell you guys a little story, okay? It's a pretend story. Do you guys like pretend stories? All right. This, this is about a little boy named Fritz. Okay, and Fritz really wanted to have a dog. He really wanted to have a dog. But his parents said, you're not old enough to have a dog. And you're not responsible enough to have a dog. So Fritz said, okay, I'm going to work as hard as I can to become a really, really good at taking care of dogs. And I'm going to show my parents that when I'm a little older, I'll be able to take care of dogs. So he worked really hard. He studied. He went and helped take care of other dogs. And when he turned 12 his parents said he was old enough to have his own dog. And he knew everything about dogs, and he was so good at taking care of his dogs, his, his parents actually let him take home two little puppies, Flipsy and Flopsy. That's what he named them. <laughs> and Flipsy and Flopsy had the most wonderful owner. Fritz was so good to them, and he loved them, and he cared for them, and he taught them how they should behave. One of the things he did is <clears throat> every night he would lay out some food for them. He would put a little bowl of dog food and a little bowl of water. Now, Flipsy was very grateful for Fritz getting that food and putting the food out, but Flopsy would always look outside the fence and see a big pile of garbage. And he would say to Flipsy, he'd say, oh, I really want to go over there and eat that garbage. There's probably yummy bones and meat in there. We should eat that instead of that yucky dog food. But Fritz would always say, no, this is the food you're supposed to eat. This is what will make you help, healthy. So what do you think Flipsy did? Do you think he listened to Flopsy and when he and ate the garbage, or do you think he ate the dog food? He did. He did. But what do you think Flopsy did? You're right. Flopsy climbed under the fence, and he went and started digging through the garbage, and he ate all the garbage. He said, oh, here's a piece of meat, and he ate that, and he ate all the yummy stuff, and then he came back, and that night when he was going to sleep, Flopsy felt really, really sick. He ate some things he shouldn't have eaten, and Flipsy felt very healthy because he had listened to Fritz. Well, they grew up, and they got a little bit older, and Fritz would take very good care of his dogs and he would let them run outside at night in the yard. It was a nice fenced yard, but he'd always say to them, now it's important, stay in the yard. This is where it's safe. Well, Flipsy was a very obedient dog, so Flipsy said, okay, I'll stay in the yard. And he would run around and have all sorts of fun fun in the yard. But, because it's a pretend story, that's why he can talk. All right. But Flopsy... Flopsy looked at all the things outside of the yard and he thought, I want to discover what's out there. There's got to be all sorts of exciting things. What do you think Flopsy should do? Should he stay inside in the yard or do you think he should go dig under the fence again? What do you think he should do? He should, stay in the yard. He should but you know what he did? He dug a hole under the fence, and he went out, and he explored, and he saw all sorts of really neat things. But one of the things he saw was this little uh, black furry animal with a white stripe down its center. And he said, ooh, I can't wait to discover what that is. And he went over to play with it, and do you know what happened? That black thing with the white stripe lifted up its tail and sprayed the most awful smell all over him. Oh, Flopsy did not like that at all. And so do you know what happened? He started heading back home. But then a pack of dogs that were mean dogs came up to Flopsy, and they decided they wanted to fight Flopsy. And Flopsy was in a big fight. And he went running off with cuts and a hurt leg and smells, and he limped back into the yard. Flopsy had a nice night of sleep but Flopsy was hurt, and smelled, and it wasn't good. Well, did he learn his lesson? No. (laughs) You see, Fritz told Flipsy and Flopsy, he said, here in our home, you'll always be cared for and taken care of, so make sure you stay near us and we'll take care of you. But Flopsy would see some other dogs running around the neighborhood, dogs that didn't have owners. And he thought, boy, it'd be fun to go run and play with them. And Flipsy thought, no, I'm going to stay here with Fritz and with all the family here. But what do you think Flopsy should do? Do you think he should stay with his family or do you think he should run off with the other dogs? Stay with his family. Stay with his family. And he's doing it. You know what he's going to do already? That's right. He dug a hole. Under the fence, and he went and played with those other dogs. Well, he had fun with the other dogs at first. They did fun things. They ran around. But pretty soon, those dogs didn't want to spend time with him anymore. They said, Flopsy, you're getting boring. We don't want to spend time with you anymore. And Flopsy came home weeks later very sad. Now, I suppose you know what I'm trying to teach you, right? (laughs) <laughs> kids God made this world a certain way God made this world so that there is blessing there, is, there are good things when we obey those whom God has charged to take care of us and when we choose when we think, oh, there's something better over here, even though my parents think this is good, I think there's something better over here, when we choose something else, the way God's made the world work is if we choose to disobey our parents, even though we think it's a good idea, in our lives it doesn't bring blessing, and it doesn't bring good. So that's why God tells us in the Bible it is so good to obey our parents, to be like Flipsy and not like Flopsy. Now, is there anybody here... Who obeys their parents all the time? All the time. Is there anybody in this room, do you think, who has always obeyed their parents? Jesus. That's a good answer. (laughs) Besides Jesus, there is nobody who ever perfectly obeys. Because you know what? The Bible says our hearts are actually broken. We have sinful hearts and we choose to disobey God in our hearts. And because we choose to disobey God, we also sometimes disobey our parents. But do you know what the Bible says? God did something about our broken hearts. So even though we disobey sometimes, God sent forth his son, Jesus, who took the penalty of our sin, the punishment for our sin, and died on the cross for us. And when he did that, he did something so that God can forgive us And God can change our hearts that we want to obey and do what our parents say because we want to honor God and do what is right. So it's good to obey. There's blessings when we obey. But even the times when we don't obey, God has a big heart. And if we trust Jesus, he is gracious to us and forgives us. And that is an important lesson. That's what I want you to hear, uh, learn about today. And I'm going to be talking with some of the other people here uh, for the rest of the time about the importance of obeying parents and honoring our father and mother. But I want you guys to hear something special first. So now, you guys are dismissed to go to children's church. Thank you for being here. Yes, you are. You're going. It's always good when you give a talk on obedience to your children and uh, you dismiss the kids, and your son says, I'm not going. (laughs) Just makes you feel good as a dad. We've done something right. A few weeks ago, when we were going through Colossians, we've been preaching through the book of Colossians and we got to this passage where it addresses children. And as I was studying and preparing for that, I was struck by the fact that here, Paul intended in Colossians, for he he addressed children. So that means he intended when the message was being read from his letter for children to be there. So I thought, what a better way to kind of live that out than for when we address children specifically, for us to have children here as part of the service. I also want to say that we have children's church where we're teaching kids at an age-appropriate level um, God's Word. But if you're a parent who feels like uh, your child is capable or, or you want to bring them along and being a part of the, the big service or whatever you want to call it up here, you're welcome to bring them. They're welcome. If they make a little noise, I'm not going to get distracted or at least I won't get too distracted and I welcome that. So uh, we want kids to be a part of what we do here as a church. Now um, in the remaining time that I have, I've, I've divided into two sections. One section, I'm going to be speaking to the other children who are here, okay? I know that's not a huge portion of the room, but there are other people here in this room who are under, still under their parents' authority, all right? That means, uh, you know, we can decide what the cutoff age is. Society, different societies and cultures have kind of different times where someone becomes an adult. But generally in our culture, right, it's somewhere between 18 and 21, you kind of become an adult, I just say, are you still under your parents' authority? Are you able to kind of go out and provide for yourself, um, live on your own, independent of your parents, or are you still kind of under your parents' shelter? If you're in that under your parents' shelter, still dependent upon them, then the words I'm going to say up at the front about uh, children obey your parents applies to you. So that's who I want to speak to first, is those who are under that age, a little older than the kids who are up here, but who are, uh, who are still children. And I want to say to you that we live in a day and age where there is a strong and pervasive, pervasive message from our world. The world is telling us um, how we're to think of our relationship with our parents. I don't want to spoil every Hollywood movie about families to you, uh, for you right now, so it's a spoiler alert, but this is the basic recipe that Hollywood, u- Hollywood uses for family movies. Opening scene sets up something like this. There's a happy family. People get along. Yeah, there's some strange things, you know, some, uh, some, some weird quirks in each person, but generally the family gets along, but there's little bits of tension because you have these parents, and the parents are well-intentioned but they're a little out of touch, right? So that's the opening scene. Any good movie needs a major conflict. So in this family movie, the conflict is going to be something along the lines of teenager has some desire. They know something's right in their heart. They're supposed to date that girl or they're supposed to follow that dream or they're supposed to get behind that cause or they're supposed to dress this way or whatever it is. And whatever it is that they know is right in their heart, their parents pour water on the fire. They say, "Uh -uh, You're not doing that in my house. And so, major conflict ensues. Parents get frustrated and angry at their child and try everything they can to try and change them. And the, the teenager knows they're doing what's right and is frustrated because they don't feel the love and care of their parents. And then... There's a resolution, because a good movie has conflict and then resolution. And what is the resolution? The parent realizes that they're being too hard on their child. They're being overbearing. And so they come to the child and they apologize to the child. And of course the child then realizes that even though my parents are a little stodgy, they really do love me. And there's this happy, peaceful ending. You've probably seen half a dozen movies that follow something along those, that, that line. But the world sends a message not just through movies, it does through music. So when I was a kid, it was the Beastie Boys that were popular, right? And they had a lyric that said, don't, <clears throat> this is the mom quoting, don't step out of this house if that's the clothes you're going to wear. I'll kick you out of my home if you don't cut that hair. Your mom busted in and said, what's that noise? Oh mom, you're just jealous. It's the Beastie Boys. <laughs> you got to fight? Well, you're right am I the only one in this generation <laughs> to party or Will Smith who said uh, parents just don't understand right in our generation or in this generation um, there's other people who are popular now I think of Arcade Fire's song Rebellion where it says people say that you'll die faster than without water We all know it's just a lie. Scare your son. Scare your daughter. Much more sophisticated way of saying it than the Beastie Boys. But the same message nonetheless. It's in the music, it's in the movies, it's in magazines. There was a a magazine for teenage girls and splashed across the cover. It said, do you really hate your parents? Like who doesn't? In our world... The message that's coming from everywhere is the teenager knows best. The teenager is the most wise. And it's the teenager's job to just overlook their stodgy parents and their set-in-the-past ways and realize, well, they're kind of a lovable teddy bear. They care for you. And a mature teenager understands that while looking past their parents' advice. Now, compare that to what we hear from the Word of God. When God gave the Ten Commandments, he gave this command at the start of the section where he addresses how we interact with people. In Exodus 20.12, he says, Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, that's a principle that God establishes as a moral principle for all time. Now, later on, God establishes some specific rules for the ancient Israel, uh, Hebrew government as they set themselves up as a government. And he establishes some specific rules for how they're to behave. And listen to what he says. If anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother, and his blood will be on his own head. Leviticus 20, verse 9. Or listen to this. This is from Deuteronomy 21. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, His father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. Then all the men of his town shall stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Now, I know there's a few parents going, hmm, that sounds nice. (laughs) I understand That was for a time when when God was establishing certain laws within ancient Israel society. So these are not laws that carry on across culture and time. But the principle behind them is important. It shows us just how seriously God takes a child's responsibility to obey and honor his parents. It's not something God takes lightly. It's not like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, there's some really bad things to avoid, like don't murder people, but, you know, every teenager's going to go through that rebellious time. That's not how God treats it. He lists it as a capital punishment alongside things like murder. In the New Testament, obviously, there's, a, there's not the command to kill our ch- you know, kill children who are disobedient. It's not a capital crime. But the New Testament shows that it's still something that God takes very seriously. So in Romans 1, in Romans 1, it lists disobedience to parents as a sign that God has given society over to, quote, a depraved mind. And lists it as a sin alongside murder, god-hating, and ruthlessness. And then in 2 Timothy 3, it describes the terrible times of the last days and lists disobedience to parents alongside brutality, abuse, and treachery. It's a big deal. God takes obedience to parents seriously. but he also gives a promise, right? It's kind of what I focused on with the little kids in that fun way. That there's blessing. Blessing in obeying our parents and honoring our parents. And so we read that in Ephesians chapter 6 where he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And then he quotes from the Ten Commandments. He says, honor your father and mother. And then he points it out, which is the first commandment With a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So the promise of blessing through obedience is there in Exodus 20 with the Ten Commandments. And it's there in Ephesians 6 in the New Testament when God repeats that command to us. Now, does that mean everybody who dies early doesn't live a long life was disobedient and dishonoring to their parents and everybody who lives a long life its because they were such a respectful, wonderful child? No. If you read the whole counsel of God's word, there's a lot of complications, there's a lot of various factors that factor into how long someone lives, not the least of which we live in a fallen world where there's disease and sickness. But it is a basic principle that God teaches in the Old and New Testament that there is blessing and long life that comes from obedience. Now, I just want to push that a little bit further because it might seem like, oh, that's kind of weird. But it's in the the nature of how God's created things. Think of this. Many of the things that parents, even not the best parents, discourage their children from doing are things that are dangerous, high-risk activities. So whether it's taking a substance that distorts your judgment so you could do something dangerous or taking a substance that can damage your brain and have long-term implications for you. Whether it means discouraging you from opening yourself up to intimacy that can lead to unwanted STDs or or even emotional or psychological consequences that maybe you don't understand now but can have lasting implications. Or whether it's discouraging you from... uh, running with a certain group of people that are going to um, encourage you towards certain unhealthy behaviors. There are, there are things that your parents warn you against that are protecting you from things that can cut short your life or, um, or really have an effect on the overall quality of your life. Or you think also of um, a, a child who grows up generally obeying their parents, generally learning that discipline of submission and following what the authority says. A child like that is going to learn certain healthy habits and learn how to form healthy relationships. Whereas a child who chooses the path of disobedience and dishonoring their parents oftentimes forms a pattern in their life of unhealthy habits and unhealthy relationships that can have adverse effects long term in life. Or think too, um, I, I was reading one writer who said, if someone will not honor their own parents, whom will they spare? That seems to be the idea behind the Bible, behind this this strong impetus here to honor and obey your parents. You know, if you're gonna walk through life with, so to speak, your middle finger stuck up at everybody in authority your parents, police officer, governmental authorities, professors, your spouse, your employer, your boss. I think we all know people like that. Do they live a good life? Those people have a chip on their shoulder, bitterness in their heart, always discouraged, always complaining. And in general, those people don't live a long and full life. So it's true, there is blessing. There's goodness in choosing the path that God has designed for us. Now, that means we have a choice. We can think of the the message the world is sending us, saying, look, you are the one who's all-wise. You have the most knowledge and information, uh, or or the the best perspective on on what the right course is to take. Disregard parents. Disregard authorities. Follow your own heart. Or you can look at God's word that says, you know what, actually the blessing that I have designed for you the good in this life that I have designed for you comes through obedience and respecting those in authority. At the end of the day, the question for you is, who do you trust? Do you trust Christ? A God who loves you so much that even though you make mistakes, you fall short of his glory, you do things that doesn't honor him, he still loves you and gave his son, Jesus, to die in your stead. He forgives you. He made you. He wants to spend eternity with you. That God, do you trust him? Or are you going to trust the message of this world? That's the key question for us. Now, Some might object, James, James, you don't know what my parents are like, said every teenager ever. If you live in a situation where there is conflict and tension with your parents, let me just give you a few uh, quick thoughts. One is, I just want to say up front, if you're in a situation where your parent is hurting you or has hurt you in the past or threatens to hurt you physically, um, please come talk to me or talk to Mike or talk to one of the youth leaders because that's not a situation that God would want you in. He wants you to be, uh, get the help you need in a situation like that. But sometimes the atmosphere in the home can change entirely if you start showing respect and obeying your parents. The picture often that you have in your mind of these monster parents might have a little bit to do with the side of them that you're seeing because you continually give them disrespect and disobedience. If you take some milk and you put some lemon juice in it, it curdles. Your parents might be curdled, but could it be because of the sourness and bitterness? That you've injected into things. Now, hear me on this. Parents are responsible for their own behavior. And I'm not excusing parents behaving in a curdled way just because you haven't honored them or haven't respected them. They should still, we should still behave in a God honoring way. But nonetheless, if you remove that sour and that bitterness, you might find that the situation's quite different. And the last thing I want to say to you who object, well, you don't know my parents. As a dad, it's in my face all the time how badly I do as a parent. I am in situations all the time where I have to make a judgment and I look back later and say, I don't think I made the right decision there. Or I didn't honor God and how I handled that. And there are There isn't a parent in this room or a parent represented in this room who doesn't make mistakes, who doesn't make the wrong decision, who isn't fallen. And and that's exactly why. Because all of us, all humanity, shares a common heart, a broken heart, a sinful heart, a heart, the Bible teaches, inherited from Adam in the garden when he rebelled against God. And so in each of our hearts, my heart, everybody's heart, apart from God's grace, sin reigns. And brokenness reigns. And even for those who are in Christ, we still feel the lingering effects of the fallen world. So yes, we don't get it right. And for most of us, that's something that causes us sleepless nights. It weighs on our heart we replay things over and over in our minds. You might not think that your parents do that, but they probably do. But here's the reality. There's not a person you're going to interact with in this world who isn't fallen, who doesn't make mistakes and botch things. And so to learn to be able to have a healthy relationship with your parents, even though they're imperfect, And to follow God's path for honoring them and obeying them, even though they make mistakes, is going to serve you well for your whole life. Because you're going to work with people, you're going to have friends, you're going to maybe be married someday, and the people you interact with are going to have that same fallen state. Now, I'm not saying that if your parents tell you to do something that's dishonoring to God, you should obey that, right? But as a whole, even though they're imperfect, following them, even when they make a wrong judgment, obeying them is actually going to serve you well for the rest of your life. So, for you who have a broken relationship or a strained relationship with your parents, what, do I, what prescription do I give you? The prescription I give you wouldn't matter. It's the prescription that the Bible gives And this is what it says. First, see your own heart and see that you yourself are broken, that you yourself are contaminated by sin and that if you just follow your own wisdom in your own ways, you won't do very well for yourself. Acknowledge who you are and then look to Christ, Jesus, who took the brokenness and fallenness of this world and the brokenness and fallenness of your own heart and took it upon himself on the cross and bore that wrath, bore the punishment you deserve. And therefore, if you look to that Christ, if you look to Jesus, God actually forgives you, cleanses you, makes you new, gives you a new heart with new desires, And so, you understand your sinfulness, you look to Christ for forgiveness, you get that new heart, and then you trust your new king, Jesus, because of what he's done for you. And because you trust him, you walk in ways that he has said are good. If you just try and manufacture, okay, the pastor said I need to be more honoring to my parents and you go back to your parents, and you're like, okay, I'm going to start listening to you and obeying you because it's going to be good for me. It'll last maybe for an hour, maybe a week, probably not a month. But if you understand your own condition and understand what Christ has done for you and trust Christ, He starts in here. He starts transforming your heart. And that's what's going to allow you to walk in the ways that are Good for you. Well, I said that I was going to divide my message to two parts, and that's because the command to obey is a command specific to children. That is, people who are still under their parents' authority. But the command to honor, honor your father and mother, is not something specific to children or young people. It's something that is true for all of us who have parents. Honor your father and mother. Now, um, before I, I speak to what, what it means to honor your father and mother, it's there in Ephesians 6, verse 2. Honor your father and mother, quoting Exodus 20. I just want to mention two things it doesn't mean. Okay? The first thing, to honor your father and mother doesn't mean that you still need to obey them. Okay, the command to obey is one that's always linked with the word children. Okay, so it's, that's young people. So once, once you're an adult, you're not commanded to obey your parents anymore. Okay? The second thing that honoring your parents doesn't mean, okay, this, this is specifically for those of us who are married. Okay, if you're married, it doesn't mean that their voice is the loudest voice in your life. So for men... The Bible says that we are to leave our family of origin, our father and mother, and cleave or cling to our wife. So that means your wife shouldn't feel like that your mom or your dad is the, is the voice you listen to most. They should feel that you, or they, that they are your most trusted confidant. You're a, new, you're a new entity. And, and for wives, as you grew up, your mom and dad were, were the harbor in which you sought refuge. But when your dad gave you away at the front of the church or wherever you got married, he said, now this man is the one in whom you are to seek refuge and a harbor. And so don't be seeking that from your parents. This needs to be something that happens within the family. So those are some things it doesn't mean, but what does it mean then to honor your father and mother? The the original word in the first command in Exodus 20 for, for honor has at its root the idea of weightiness. A weight. We understand in our culture that there are certain things that that have a proper weight in our culture. One of those things is death, right? Death is a weighty thing. So you go to a funeral, even if you don't like the guy, even if you thought he was a bad guy or you didn't have a close relationship with him or whatever, you still give death its proper weight. So you go to a funeral, you don't see a lot of bright colors because we're showing it its proper weight. You don't, you don't hear a lot of boisterous talking. When a funeral procession goes by, most people who are civilized give deference to the funeral procession driving by. Because we understand death deserves weight. It's a weighty thing. We do the same with soldiers, right? So just last week, right, you saw all over, people wearing the red poppies. To show our respect for those who have risked so much to fight and defend liberty and freedom in this world. They deserve a certain weight. You know, airlines often will let those in uniform board first. Uh, I went to a Leafs game and they had a, a soldier recognized there and the, the entire stadium rose to give them an, give him an ovation. Sometimes maybe even if you see someone in uniform, you, you treat them a certain way because you know they're a soldier. They have a weightiness. You might not agree with the war being fought. You might have political objections to it, but you still give weight to the soldier. That's what the parental role should have in our society too it should have a certain weightiness this is something we honor something we respect well what do i do if if my parents aren't healthy they're not a healthy influence on our family you can honor your parents while still protecting your family against unhealthy influences okay so, yes, it doesn't mean you have to pick up the phone every time they call or, or say, yes, you're welcome in our home anytime you want to be there. But in the way you have the conversation with them about when it's appropriate to call or why you're not having them into your home, you do that with a certain weightiness because you know what the role of parent is in, our, in, in God's economy. And so you have it in a respectful way that honors them. Honoring your parents is going to show itself when they cross the line, when they do something that you've asked them not to do. How do you handle it? Do you handle it in a way that honors them while still keeping that line drawn? How you think about them, how you speak to them. And here's a great indicator, how your children think about their grandparents if they hear you bad-mouthing them and trashing them, they're gonna, there's going to be friction and there's going to be tension there. But if you're able to honor them, even as you create the distance and the safety that you feel you need, they're going to grow up seeing grandpa and grandma as a good thing, even if they don't get to see them as often as they'd like. So it means this weightiness. But there's another place where uh, the New Testament is actually real explicit in what it means to honor. So I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And that's on page 840 if you're using the Pew Bible. 1 Timothy 5 on page 840. I'm going to read verses 3 to 8. Now verse 3 begins, give proper recognition, and that, that word translated give proper recognition is the exact same word from Ephesians 6.2 that says honor. In fact, if you're not using the NIV, you probably have the word honor there in your translations. So it says, honor those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and, and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives give the people these instructions too so that no one may may be open to blame. And then it says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So in addition to giving them this weight, the Bible says one way to honor your parents especially as they get to the point where they can't provide for themselves and take care of themselves, is for you to provide for them and to care for them or to make sure that they're being provided for and cared for. I understand we live in a day of the, uh, you know, the government safety net, right? The government's supposed to take care of all that so people don't get old and have no one to take care of them. But biblically, a way to honor your parents is to make sure that they're receiving the care and uh, the provision that they need. Now, provision might be something that's easily taken care of because they've planned well for their retirement or because the government social net, safety net, has done such a good job. But the area of care is something that no nursing center no government employee is going to be able to fulfill. It's on us as children to make sure our parents, as they age, are cared for and provided for. That's clear. And the warning in verse 8 is strong, isn't it? I talked about the strong warnings to teenagers. I can't think of a stronger warning in Scripture than this. If you can't care for the people in your own immediate family, what does it say? You have denied the faith. You're worse than an unbeliever. Those are strong words. So, children are to obey their parents and honor them. But all of us, all of us, are to show proper honor to our parents. That means the weight she deserved that weight that parents ought to have and the care and provision when they can't do it for themselves. But there's a problem sometimes when you deal with the topic, the topic of children. Because you land into these different passages and you kind of cherry pick them out and you look at them and you hear this great moral message Honor your parents. You bad person, you haven't honored your parents like you should. Okay, here's the logic for why you should honor your parents. Wouldn't society be so much better if we honored our parents? But each one of those passages that I've touched on is actually part of a wider context. Where it teaches that we are people who formerly were enslaved. People who needed to be redeemed and bought out of slavery with blood. In the Old Testament, the blood of the Passover lamb. In the New Testament, that we realized that was a sign that pointed to the ultimate blood of Christ as people who have been bought with this price, who have been paid for by Christ and been brought into Christ's family, that is the pretext, the context for this command for how we're to treat family. So most of you have been here through our series in Colossians, right? And so you remember what we've been studying as we, before Paul got to how we're supposed to treat family, how children are supposed to treat their their parents. You remember what Paul had said up to that point, right? He talked about how we needed to be rooted and built up in Christ. And the metaphor we used was like a tree, right? So you can't make an apple tree out of something that's not an apple tree. You can hang the apples on it, you can paint its fruit, you can do whatever you want, but it's not an apple tree until its very nature changes and it becomes an apple tree. And that is the message that is there behind each of these commands. Look, you can't be a good enough child. You can't be good enough to your parents. We live in a broken world. Our hearts are broken. We're foul, sinful people. You can't do it. I can't do it. And that's why Jesus came to do something about our fallen world and our fallen, broken hearts, right? This is this is listen to this this is what makes Christianity different from all the other religions I'm aware of. Yeah, almost every religion out there encourages children to obey their parents and to honor parents. That's pervasive The moral code is the same, right? That's where these universalists or or other religious uh, beliefs that say all religions are basically the same. Yeah, most of our moral teaching is about the same. There's some differences, but it's about the same. There's a difference with Christianity. It says morality is not something that I can do from the outside in. I start being good enough, fear judgment, and so just start doing good so that you'll win God's favor, work harder at it, and over time, as you do that, there'll be this inner tranquility that comes and your heart will be changed by this persistence in doing good. That's that's the message of all the other religions. But Christianity says that's not where it starts. It actually starts in here. The gospel transforms your heart. God actually, because of what Jesus did by not only dying but rising from the dead, God actually has the power to change your and my nature. And for those of us who are in Christ, we have experienced that. I can say, I have experienced that changed nature. Something inside me changed. And then, because of my faith in Christ and that new heart I received, working from the inside out, I'm slowly being transformed. So we can't just cherry-pick a bunch of verses on children and parents and teach a moral lesson about how you're supposed to behave. We have to understand where these come within their context. Otherwise, you hear the wrong message. So the message you need to hear today. If you are not reconciled to your parents, if there's strain... Boy, that was a close one. If there's strain between you and your parents, the first place to start is not with your earthly parents but with your heavenly father whom you're also estranged from apart from Christ. And it's only as that reconciliation happens which can only happen through Christ it's only as you're reconciled to your heavenly father and he's able to adopt you into his family and begin making you into what, what it looks like to be a child in his family. And it's only as that happens that we can begin to experience the reconciliation and the peace with our parents as we honor them or as we obey them. That's the message that Paul or Moses would want you to hear. That's the message that God wants you to hear. And so, for those who have not put their faith in this Christ and been reconciled to that Heavenly Father, I encourage you to hear the Spirit this morning and to seek out Christ. And for those of you who are in Christ this morning, this isn't an issue of just trying harder to be a better Christian. This is an issue of understanding that gospel more and more so it consumes your heart, consumes the horizon of your life so that you are being transformed more and more into the image of his son so that you are able to obey if you're a child and to honor for all of us. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would be a church that when others look at us, they can see how we treat our parents and see that there's something real about this gospel message by how we treat our parents, which we cannot do apart from the work of Christ in our lives to transform us. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.